We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sweet, the Ladies' Guide to Bro Culture. My name is Gina Bloom, and this is the show where I, a transgender stand-up comic currently quarantined in sunny Van Nuys, California, as if that matters anymore, bring on some of my favorite funny ladies from all over the country to talk about their first experiences with the best, worst, and strangest of bro popular culture. That is movies for guys. Music for guys, um, experiences for guys, although nobody experiences anything anymore because we're all locked inside. And uh, today is an interesting one. Uh, today we are talking about 2001's Training Day, starring Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke, Scott Glenn, and Dr. Dre, uh, and Macy Gray. That was a fun little cameo. Uh, in a police corruption drama, Denzel plays a cop uh, he's the senior managing member of this anti-narcotics unit that is in plain clothes and they're flashy and they, they basically act like they run the town and they just go around bullying criminals and citizens alike. And Ethan Hawke is the guy being trained. He's the idealistic young guy that is there to uh, basically go on a day-long interview for the job and then mayhem ensues as they traverse the Los Angeles area, getting into fights and eventually finding a deeper conspiracy. Uh, Training Day was pretty well liked at the time, uh, getting a 72% fresh meter on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Roger Ebert at the time said, for his kinetic energy and acting zeal, I enjoyed the movie. I liked it when actors go for broke. Not everyone seemed to like it. Elvis Mitchell, the New York Times said, it was a glib potboiler. Torn from today's screaming headlines, he is referring, of course, to the Rampart scandal, which um, we don't hear too much about these days. And on top of all of that, uh, this movie did win Denzel Washington his second Academy Award, his first for Best Actor, and um, also got one for a nomination, at least, for, for Ethan Hawke. So uh, an unusually successful cop thriller at the awards, too, and it yeah, that's training day for you. Um, now let's bring on our guests. She is a comic from New York, still in New York, an exceedingly rare quality for comedians. Please say hello to the lovely Dua Osman. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, it's going okay. It's a little hot here in California right now. It's 100 degrees outside. But other than that, not too bad. How are you? God, I wouldn't know what the weather is though, because uh, just been indoors. I don't yeah. even know what my door is. It's it's we well, so have a gets, door. I don't know. When it gets to a hundred out here, it makes everything hot. So unfortunately, I can't ignore the outside right now. If it gets down to ninety, yeah. then it's not too bad. But yeah, a hundred is pretty miserable. All right, and oh, yeah. uh, representing the. The designated defender, the designated apologist for Training Day. He's the guy who, who picked the movie to do us dismay. Please say hello to the lovely and talented Courtney Reynolds. Hey, hey what's going on, y'all? I am the bropologist. <laughs> That's right, the bropologist. How you doing, Courtney? How how how's the Poconos these days? So sweet. I'm. I've been on vacation since March. Uh, this uh, quarantine has been. One of the best things that's ever happened to me. My my balls back. Everything's going well. It's amazing how like the the select few of us that are fortunate to have family in like these these picturesque places. It's like, yeah, why the fuck wouldn't I want to go to the Poconos for four months? Like that's you know? plus. Yeah. My family, on the other hand, is from the Tampa, Florida area, which is not where you want to be right now. Yeah. Not that you'd ever want to be there anyway, but you definitely it depends don't. Depends on your drug habits. That's very true. 
It's it very, might be a great place to be right now. That is very, very yeah. true. You do get the best trailer park meth in the country, you know? in the Tampa yeah. area. That, that I know for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about Training Day Duo. This is your first time watching the movie. Um, and laugh. And please, laugh. <laughs> well, and please oh. tell us. Please tell us your 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 off top first impressions of Training Day. Uh, it's definitely not a movie I'm going to watch again. Uh, usually, you just know like as soon as the movie ends, you're like, oh man, yeah, can't wait to see this again in a few months. But uh, yeah, my first impression was I'm never ever going to see this movie again. It was just. And let me tell you something, Courtney. I'm I'm not mad. It's fine, mm-hmm. but because you didn't make the movie, but I think it was because I sort of idealized Denzel Washington specifically, that I, le- I, I legit thought it was gonna be completely different than what it was. I thought it was gonna be like two cops, you know, being heroes and doing cop things and like getting rid of the bad guys. And it was, I, I literally messaged Gina in all caps. <laughs> Denzel's a bad guy? I was, I was so upset. I don't even... I almost didn't make it today because I was just too upset to talk about it, but here I am. Did you watch it today? Oh, uh, no. I watched it, like, I don't know, uh, th- this week. So like, Oh, you're still this maybe upset. One, maybe one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mad. Almost Where the Coconuts a- do you live? Come over and kick your ass. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 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 won't, I won't disagree with the problematic nature of a lot of that movie. A lot of that movie, it, even even the real life problematic nature of it, the fact that mm-hmm. Denzel got only got the Oscar for playing a, a shitty, terrible bad guy. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he adjusted Malcolm X, which is an amazing movie. He yes. portrayed Malcolm X to the T, almost looked like, and people have gotten tattooed of with him playing a villain. It was kind of refreshing for people at the time, I think, because it's like, all right, we were tired of seeing. Um, Denzel played the sweet guy, the Mo Better Blues, the guy that saved the day. So I think strategically for Denzel's career, it was important because if you also remember, he immediately did John Q after that. Yeah. Which, yeah. which right. was obviously right back to the most hero of heroes, Denzel, but still a twinge of villain, right? Yeah. So for his career, I thought it was important. While I agree with how shitty he had to be to get portrayed and get that great accolade, it was still a bomb ass movie. It's a like, great movie. It was a great movie. I just wish it was someone else. Totally. <laughs> like if LL Cool J was playing that guy, I'd oh, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. This is interesting. Wesley because, okay, because I, I never really dug. Uh, into your reaction too much to it, except for that you you were very upset by this. So, because I <laughs> wanted to, yes, I wanted to save it for the pod. So, so what is specifically your your problem uh, with it? Is it because it's Denzel is 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 the worst person on earth in this movie, and he's Denzel. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was my fault. No, it's not. It, there's, just, there's no fault at all. This, the whole movie, yeah. the whole point of this podcast, unfortunately, is to ambush yeah. people with, with bro movies. Like that's you, you. This is what the, this is what this show is about. Well, I think like uh, to Courtney's point, it was uh, Denzel's really good at playing heroes, right? Yeah. And he does such a great job. And so I just assumed this was another Denzel movie. I was sitting down. I had like a smoothie that I just made. <laughs> I was like. I was chilling. I was like, yeah, I, I even smoked a little bit of weed. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? You know, it was just like the twist for me was just so dramatic and unexpected. And I think I just refused to accept it for the rest of the movie because I was like, he's just playing. He's just playing. He's not really, you know, a corrupt cop. It's going to be like, in the end, it's going to be like, oh, I had to do this because there was like this big, you know, organized crime that I had to take down. So I had to pretend I was, but it never happened. It never came. Yeah. He was actually a terrible person. He just gets worse throughout the movie. Yeah. In the, in the time of a cop, it was the worst movie to ask you to watch right now. It was just like, yo, yeah. all cops are oh, yeah. Denzel. Denzel too? Yeah. <laughs> Not Denzel. But yo, but, but hold on. Now there were parts of him 
that were good. You know, he beat up that 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 homeless dude that was gonna rape that girl in the hall in, right. the, in the alley. Although his first impetus was not to help. Is not to right. stop at all. Yes, because yeah. he he had more important things to do than than stop and, a teenage girl get raped. Yeah. Right. And then again, the reason he really even went that far was because he was personally insulted. So yeah. Yeah. None of his redeeming qualities were redeemable. Yeah. No. I, I, but you know what? It was it was also, you know, you know, I'm 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 black. I don't know if you know this. And oh. I, <laughs> we're, we're all watching each other on the Zoom right now. What? So. <laughs> no, I, hey, 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 I am one of them. And I feel like it was kind of refreshing to see him yank around this white kid. Like, because because you imagine the ranks of the police officers and then you imagine like us having a hard time being yanked around and, you know, yeah being told to pay for the coffee and all this other shit. So it was kind of nice in, to see a guy in power that looked like me, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then he even right. had a team of niggas that looked like me too. Now, yeah. it spoke to me in a way because I always said as a kid, it's like, yo, if I was a cop, I'd be dirty as fuck. And that's why I'm not a cop <laughs> today. And that's why a lot of these cops shouldn't be cops, you know? Right, I, right. I'd be, I'd be dipping into the neighborhood crap binge and being like, hey, if you want to do this, all right, fine, but I need a cut. So it's yeah. so it kind of like, all right, what would happen to me if I lived that life? And obviously yeah. you see. So, right, right, absolutely. And I think I think if I was a cop, I, I'd be like Ethan Hawk, and I'd be like, I don't know, should I smoke the crack type? I don't know. And I just, I do it. Peer pressure is Right. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I'm sensing remake here. This is this is this is interesting. <laughs> the court, the Courtney <laughs> duo, duo. Duo will be Denzel. Though. Gotta, 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 yes. Yes. I'll be gotta, Denzel, and I'll be like, guys, stop. Just stop. Doing that. This, <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. The movie is seven let's, minutes long. Let, yeah. Let's all go to Dairy Queen and talk about this. This is terrible. Yeah. Stop all right. It. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what happens in the movie. This this discussion is fucking great. I I, I love that what we what we have brewing here. So I'm not, I'm not gonna take too much time with this. Uh, so basically, what happens? Ethan Hawke, he, he is a he's a new recruit to this uh, existing uh, anti gang crash squad, as they as they used to call them here in L.A. And uh, that's a squad of plainclothes narcotics detectives that go around uh, basically beating up drug dealers and disrupting their flow of supplies and conducting investigations, which are basically just beating the shit out of people. He's there for the first time, Ethan Hawke. He meets Denzel. Denzel is simultaneously giving him shit and at the same time seducing him, uh, basically Mm -hmm. by by you know pretending that making Ethan Hawke feel like he's a tough guy on the inside as well and he's driving him around in his in his souped up cutlass around like downtown LA and this sort of philosophizing for the first half of the film they're just driving around talking about their different approaches to law enforcement and then crime happens along the way at first uh, as as y'all mentioned, he he breaks up an attempted rape. This is Ethan Hawke. He sort of bolts out of the car and takes care of it. Denzel did not want to, and then they uh, connect with a drug dealer played by Scott Glenn, and basically just shoot the shit for the first half of a movie. And then it starts to get more real once you find out that Denzel is actually into some Russian gangsters. It's not entirely clear what happens but he gets into some russian gangsters by basically beating up someone while he's in vegas and they want him to pay a million dollars by the end of the day or he's going to get killed himself and then you come to find out that the movie is some kind of elaborate setup so that denzel can get the money and pin the blame on ethan Hawke's character but it doesn't work out uh for denzel and he is in the end murdered by those gangsters that were coming after him uh, does that seem pretty accurate to what you guys got out of it? Hundred yeah. percent. Okay. So, um, Dua, uh, what did you like about the movie? Because it seemed like it seemed like you weren't you're not entirely against it. You're just against seeing Denzel play a bad dude. Oh yeah, that's a personal reason. Yeah. Um, I guess what I liked about the movie was just the acting was 
so phenomenal. It was realistic. I didn't feel like I, I it just felt like, oh, this is a documentary, right? Like this is something that happened. Um just wanted to point out that I did not know that it was based on a true story. It's not yeah. until you said it's not so. that much it's based not. on a true story. It is it's it's, it's inspired it's by scandal. actual events. Yes, it's it's inspired oh, okay. by by the the Rampart scandal, but like it didn't go down in the way that is depicted in the movies. Just they just took yeah. that scandal and made like an action movie out of it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Say that again, Courtney. I said I couldn't imagine it's that far off. It's really not. Yeah. I I I had just moved to LA for the very first time when this scandal was first going down, and it it's actually much worse because it took place over years. But it was the same thing. They they would basically just befriend drug dealers and keep them in their back pockets, and then they would then they would kill them randomly and take their money when they needed it, and then they would just pile up money. So that's pretty accurate. Seeing it from the lens, I wish I had seen it years before. Um, but just seeing it from today's lens of you know how we feel about cops. Not that I ever had a favorable viewpoint on cops, but just I thought it was pretty pretty spot on, pretty realistic in terms of corruption. Um, I also liked how, even though Ethan Hawke was supposed to be the sympathetic character, I didn't really feel that bad for him because, you know, people say there are good the good apples um, amongst cops, and it's like, yeah, but Ethan Ethan was a good apple, and he was still like, oh, okay, I'll smoke this, I'll, you know, shoot Scott Glenn, I'll, you know, do all of these things until at the very and when it and when it affected him personally is when he decided to you know when he was about to get killed is when he decided to like oh no i have to stand up to my boss you know so i really like that i really liked all the like realistic elements of it for sure there wasn't anything that made me go oh that that would never happen yeah as far as it being like super bro uh oriented it was accurate you know what i mean mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a locker room situation that these all or predominantly male occupations turn into whether it be sports policing army comedy uh yeah stand-up comedy absolutely yeah you tend, mm -hmm. you tend to have these a room full of uh, simple-minded people jerking each other off yeah you know what absolutely. i mean to where you you escalate only by assimilation right so it's like the only way to get better is to become one right so then you have to ask yourself was Ethan Hawke really a sympathetic character because what did he do to become this right you know to, to get this opportunity he obviously has yeah. been a good old boy up until this point to your to your point of him it's like it, it wasn't a problem until there was a shotgun in his face you know what I mean like he was a yeah. decent cop. He, he would save a rape victim, but he wasn't going out of his way, you know? He, yeah. So, so you, it, it gives you insight to the, to the locker room mentality that these organizations have. And, and they're real. And they exist not only in, like, like I said, in, in, in professions, but, you know, I'm in a fraternity. And, like, just getting into the fraternity and gaining trust within, within, my, within my brotherhood or whatever you want to call it, you did some shit, you know, yeah. and that's, that's what I think was um, accurately depicted in the movie. And uh, it, yeah. I, I totally agree. Uh, as, as a trans lady that has only been out for a few years, I, I have plenty of locker room dude experience and I've heard all of the shitty trash talk from any, any male dominated perspective profession just like courtney was saying uh the internet i i'm a i'm a tech person so i've been around a lot of tech bros and they're definitely bros and they will definitely they will definitely talk like that and it's 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 the goofiest saddest thing when you get a bunch of tech bros at a bar and they start talking like gangsters it is it is <laughs> so <laughs> it, is, it is so not cool it is so not cool at all. Says, I beat that pussy up. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's... Shut up, Dave. <laughs> yeah, pretty, much, pretty much. You guys got it. You're right on. Down to the shut up, Dave part. Um, and like, it's interesting because I, I remember when I saw this, I was, I was, I was a young, I was a, I was a youngin. I saw it. Um, 
uh, at an impressionable impressionable age in, in my early 20s. And, um, <laughs> you know, it. me and my boys, we and we, I was living in, in L.A. at the time, we'd drive around L.A., uh, you know, playing still DRE and thinking that, you know, we were Denzel and Ethan just being hardcore and like, and we were at anything but absolutely not just a couple just a, you know, a bunch of like 130 pound film dorks that that you know thought they knew the streets because they because you just, literally just watched training day and you felt like it was a documentary so like they're it, the movie's seductive even to the audience that's watching it like it's you you feel like like you just learned something and that that now you can take on this mantle now now you can go out and be denzel if you wanted to be i mean the movie is like a highlight of it's a highlight of black culture isn't it like we all have seen the white cop and it's been yeah. what it's been and just to think the second you get a chance to have a black cop yes he's dirty but we've seen the dirty white cop you know yeah. 48 hours i think nolte was a dirty cop you know we've seen it but he just did it so much better it's like tiger yeah. Woods in this you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah and that and, and you know what that's that's the part of it, you know, I, I'll give you a little secret about me. When I was a kid, my AIM screen name was Black Power XL. So I've been <laughs> a little weird about it. You know what I mean? So like being 13 and watching this movie and watching Denzel pull over these white kids and snatch them up by their ear and all kinds of wild shit, I was just like, this is cool. And yeah, I, I, like, I, I didn't ignore the problematic parts of it, but for that moment, it tasted good. It was it was junk food to me, you know. Yeah, that's that, that's a question I like to ask. Uh, Courtney was saying that when he was thirteen, that was that was thirteen, right? That was the age you cited. I feel like it was about what was that two thousand one? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, do what what were you watching when you were thirteen, and um, that got you going, if anything? Okay, so that. 13, I've only been in America for two years because I came here from? when I was 11. And, sorry? Where are you from? Um, Sudan. Oh, nice. And um, I was born there and then I came at 11. And I just remember, <laughs> I, honestly, I can't tell you what I was watching or listening to because I didn't like music or movies. So I only, I watched things to just sort of impress my American friends, but I didn't, like I was into NSYNC and I'm like, I don't even like, I don't even like them, you know, we don't really, I'm not going to their concerts, we don't have money for that. Like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I can't really tell you what I was watching, but I, I was definitely not as insightful as Courtney was <laughs> in terms of like flag power and like, oh, let me just dissect this intricate Denzel Washington movie. So yeah. I, I think I was watching like I don't like uh, teen rom coms, things like that. Yeah. Forty days and forty nights, like Josh Hartnett movies. Like, what are we talking? Uh, but, uh she's um, what's the one with Rachel Lee Cook? Oh, uh, she's all that. Yeah. She's all that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was watching so that. Yeah, I was also thirteen in in two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. That's how so, saying. We're I watched. I watched The Fellowship of the Ring in theaters. What? And that was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. yeah, that was the first Lord of the Rings movie. I forget that's yeah, what it's yeah. called. It's interesting, yeah. though. It's like... It, it, I, I don't want to get my, my political science hat on too much, but, like, you came from Africa to watch the whitest <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> that's, called, that's called forced yeah. baby. <laughs> It was, I was already being brainwashed as soon as I came here. I was like, oh, movies are all white here. Cool. That's cool. I mean, that's not yeah. entirely inaccurate at all. I, I think, I, I think to, to young Courtney's uh, amazement that they actually made a movie with, where, where the, where the black guy is, is the badass and he's in charge. Like that was, that was, that was part of the, the appeal was that you, you didn't get to see you didn't get to see, you know, that happen, where yeah. where the black guy is is the is the guy that moves the action. He's the charming one, and he's the one that is, you know, is not so much the hero, but he's he's the focus. And I, I it's kind of perverse, but I could definitely see why 
they all did it that they you know they took the nicest guy they had and made him super evil it's like taking tom, it's like if white people took tom hanks and made him into <laughs> satan <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the same thing it is exactly the same thing yo yeah. It was so believable too. It was so it was amazing. All right. So before we continue, we are gonna watch the trailer to uh, Training Day, the original theatrical trailer. I haven't seen this in forever, so um, let's check it out. Just a second. In the next twenty-four hours, you will learn about the streets. <laughs> about the choices that will force a dedicated cop this is not what edge. i would have expected at all all in the name right. of good in the next 24 what? hours the only thing more dangerous than the line being crossed today's a training day officer hoy it's your chance to give you a little taste of reality you think you can handle it is the cop who has crossed it i will do anything you want me to do brilliant let's see a dealer you'd be dead by now <laughs> they build jails because of me judges have handed out over 15,000 man years of incarceration time based on my investigation you got today and today only to show me who and what you're made of you hear me that's it that's what i'm talking about first day on the job you hit a three million dollar seizure no, no, no. We're not racking up arrests today. You let him go. What more you want? I want justice. Right? Is that not justice? That's street justice. What's wrong with street justice? Oh, I just let the animals wipe themselves out. God will. You can't be like this. Open your eyes. Can't you see? Police, we got a search warrant. You ain't no police. I didn't sign up for this. You think I'm crazy, right? We communicate and talk to me. Say Hey, I think you're a road cop. Learned a lot of things on these streets, boy. Good things and bad things, too. There's some profoundly evil people walking the streets freely right now. I'm the police. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> you never know. That's the point. So now y'all see why I was confused. Because it makes it seem like Denzel was just a dedicated cop. It does. You're, no you're right. Yeah, it, it does know. feel like they they pushed him over the edge as of as opposed yeah. to him just gleefully going over the edge and never looking back yeah. like that. That is and, and having been doing it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't just like wake up the morning of yeah. this movie and like just decide to be evil. Right. Yeah, there wasn't I, an insightful incident that just pushed him. Right. I, I do. Yes, I definitely see what you're getting out of that. Does the, the ad is deceptive. You know, we had the movie voice going on in the beginning and that was yeah. pretty corny. But, yeah, that's definitely a 2001 trailer. Right yeah, there. I was what? like, man, was it that bad? Anyway, anyway, <laughs> by the end of the trailer, I was like, I'm about to go watch this movie right now. It's on Netflix, too. Yo, like, King Kong ain't got shit on me. Come on, man. I remember being like 13, watching it with my family, with my parents and shit, and like, it's a good movie. Yeah, uh, yes. yeah. No, I I saw this. Uh, I saw this opening night at. Uh, oh shit. At uh, I want to say at the Cinerama Dome in West Hollywood, and they were cheering at that part. Like they're cheering. This movie got a huge reception in L.A. Uh, at the time, uh, being an L.A. movie and like one that specifically calls out neighborhoods, you know, they people love that sort of thing here. But like yeah, the people were cheering at that at that bit. Even though he was evil, you you you're still just like just the magnetism of his evil was you couldn't mm -hmm. help but, you know, yeah, man. cheer it. He I guess that also, was Yeah, he was also like I don't know, he, his own lawyer in a way cuz he kept justifying all the things he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um to Ethan Hawke where he was just like well, you gotta you gotta clean up the streets, or sometimes you gotta be worse than the criminals, and you know things like that. So it was just like you couldn't help but be like, is he right? Is he justified in doing what he's doing? Is the world a better place if you just kill drug dealers? I, you know, it just it made you think. 
sure. I think the, the point was him saying, like, yo, this is how it's being done. And if you're mm-hmm. not playing the game, you're not going to be successful or you're going to die out here. So he kind of made it seem like a necessity, even though, like you said, at the end, we found out that it was just because he got had a hot temper at a crap game and killed some Russian dude. You know? yeah. yeah, I would I would say and, and you can feel free to disagree with me. I would say that the plot part that kicked in in the second half of the movie is like the least convincing part, like like Denzel and Ethan driving around being bad dudes that felt intensely real. But like the whole mm-hmm. cross the Russian mob, have to get a million dollars. The whole yes. the whole yeah. structure of that just kind of kind of falls apart plot wise because yes. Ethan Hawke really has no function in that plot. All he has to do is just kill Scott Glenn and take his money. He doesn't have to implicate mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke in it at all. Do you remember yeah. who wrote that movie? Whose movie that is? And Antoine Fuqua. Antoine Fuqua is the director. So the uh, writer, I, I I have the Wikipedia page up here. I don't know. I feel like sometimes people get lazy with movies. You know what I mean? Like they're written a certain way. And then by the time they get to production and editing, you know, the writer is so beat up by yeah. all the changes they've made. He's just saying yes to bullshit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. You, so the, you listen to uh, Dave Chappelle's account of making half-baked of what he thought it was going to be and what it was by the end of it. Uh, agreeing with Gina, about, like, they, it could have been written in a way where, like, Ethan Hawke, like, Denzel Washington had no choice but to train Ethan Hawke because he was just assigned to him, and Denzel Washington can't just go around by himself or whatever. And so right. uh, it would make sense if, like, Denzel Washington was trying to, get like, get rid of him or something, but to have put all the blame on him and just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what's funny is that I, I, that's the movie that I remembered uh, before I watched it again. Like I, I was thinking the movie was structured just like Dua just said, where it's like he was stuck with, with Ethan for the day, and this just happened to be the day where all this was going down. Not that he was planning yeah. it all week, as he says. So, yeah. the, right. so the writer's a guy named David Ayer. Um, I, I knew it was somebody kind of famous in, in that Hollywood sense. This was his... I want to say it's his first script, and it was one of those blacklist scripts that that's, that sort of floated around for a few years and then sold for a bunch of money. And, and I think the story with this guy was that he grew up, he's a white guy, and he grew up in, like, in downtown L.A., in sort of, like, the, the underworld. So, um, and he has a, a movie, I think it's with um, Christian Bale, that is sort of loosely based on his own personal experiences as as the sort of white guy in the LA criminal world. But then he goes off and he makes like Suicide Squad uh and like terrible movies like that now. So he's <laughs> so he's he's far from his um from his formative experiences, but like this was his first his first big uh film as as it were back in the day. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, um... I don't know, Corey. What do you think about about the the plot elements of it, though? Like the this. Do you do you think the movie needed it? Does it does it add stuff to you for you? I mean, I agree that the the Russian part was kind of lame. You know what I mean? In the sense that, like, we could have had a better reason for him being killed. Yeah. But it did its job. You know what I mean? Let's just like, yeah, if you kill a Russian, they're gonna want a million dollars from you. Right. But even right. that just seems like how the how the table got to it they were like all right well we need a reason for him to die and then you know they they kicked it around for an hour and a half and came out with that like we're tired let's go eat so and even the girl that killed him it was like this tall blonde there was no effort put into the casting yeah like okay yeah it just fell apart you know what i mean like but i i honestly hate that the movie ends like that i felt like it could have ended better Mm mm-hmm I, are there alternate endings? I feel like there's alternate endings. There may there? be. I don't know. Are there? Could be. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, feel, I remember I had the DVD, and it was definitely alternate endings on there. That that would not surprise me. A lot of these movies, they go through multiple endings, and mm-hmm. they they pick whatever the audience reacted to the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, just, I just feel like the payoff wasn't that great. You know, it's yeah. like it's kind of like either Ethan kills him, or he spends the rest of his life in jail, and his whole, you know. Like a doll comes out, you know, what, right. what he's been doing, and his life falls apart. Like, that would have been great. That would have been satisfying. That would have been consequences. Either yeah. One. yeah. Right, right, right. So it, it would have been nice. Is there anything, is there anything odd to you, the fact that Denzel and Ethan are, you know, sort of straddling between, like, the 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 white world and the black world, and then it, but in the end, they they're sort of interlopers into this house of Hispanic people mm-hmm. that turn out to be more dangerous than anybody, which seems like a, like a nineties cliche to me it was like, Oh, but if you go to, you know, this part of town, then you're in for some real trouble. I guess we really didn't like take a long look into like the black or white communities. I feel like a lot of the hectic shit happened within the Hispanic community, you know, like the, yeah. the wildest parts of it. Like the in when he went to that blood neighborhood, they just said it was bad. But what I really saw was a community. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it was literally everybody outside and there was there was community happening. Whereas mm-hmm. and in the white neighborhood there's you know, mm-hmm. we only had Ethan Hawk's family to look at. So yeah, it did de- it definitely made um it painted, you know, the Mexican or the Hispanic part of LA as this fucking meth raged place. You know what I mean? Like, yo, these people are in there smoking meth and doing PCP and playing cards and killing cops. Like, that's their day. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Perhaps it was, and you know, that, oh, but wait, what about the scene with Macy Gray? Yeah. The, what about that scene? I love Macy Gray's performance in that. Scene, Again, the only reason there was violence was because they were protecting their community. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. <laughs> That's what they were doing. That's true. She said, I just got robbed. And they, the and they started <laughs> shooting back. Yeah. That's a yeah. very good point. And it, it's interesting, Courtney, that, that you said that because it was just a neighborhood, but like the movie also really didn't want you to think that because like as soon as they pulled down that street, the, the music turned very ominous. And then like the sound, like the, in, the environmental noise from the soundtrack came up. So they definitely played it like you were entering a horror movie. But mm -hmm. I think it's, I think that was maybe a, a white person's horror movie. Like, like right. they didn't, they didn't see the, the white people in the audience didn't see the community. They, they're like, oh shit. The music Six is foot four black. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, I'm just wondering, um, I feel like the movie, I don't know if you guys think that the movie did a good job in terms of portraying why people do the crimes. Like you said with the, the part with Macy Gray and it was, justifiable she's like you're you're not cops you know um i got robbed and then sort of there was that justification but then it seemed like the the hispanic part of the movie was all like they're sadists they just they kill cops in their bathtubs what are you gonna do you know and, well, and they were just like I, yeah. so casual about it yeah that, that that was that was the point that i that was yeah was what i was trying to say was that you know we, we get a kind of nuanced performance out of like out of like their their vision of, of the black community and, and not so nuanced but you know not entirely an accurate version of like the white power structure but yes once they go into that into that house at the end then it then it becomes a, a literal house of horrors uh only because only because he was saved only because he, he was a nice guy early in the film sort of like randomly get, right. got saved by this this good act he did but yeah. otherwise these these like three Mexican slash Hispanic uh, drug dealers were, were going to kill and like apparently rape his dead body is what they were getting at. Like it was it was. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was like a whole like weird sexual undertone to that scene. I, that, I, I didn't understand at thirteen. You want to yeah. get your kid pushed <laughs> in, bro? Yeah. Dad, what's that mean? <laughs> yeah. That, and then and of course you know that the lead actor in that scene he is. Uh, I want to say Samoan or New Zealand, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cliff Curtis. He, uh, he's from he's from that part of the world. No, nowhere near the part of the world that he's portraying. He, they, I saw a picture where uh, they were showing him portray like playing every every single ethnicity but his own. Like <laughs> yes. he's been Egyptian, he's been Mexican, he's been black. Like he's been yes. Puerto Rican. He was an he was Indian in a Indian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cliff Curtis is the man of many races. Yes, he's done a little <laughs> bit of everything, but that but where he comes ambiguity. from. Yes, he's, yes, he's from. It'll I think keep you employed. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're right, Courtney. I think he's, I think he's Maori, which is from New Zealand. So that would, mm -hmm. that would make sense why he didn't, why he's never played his own community before. Probably because there's no Maori movies out there. Mm, that's the banner we need to stand on. More, yeah. what are they called? What are those Ma people called? Maori. <laughs> Maori. Maori is an Maori. Aboriginal. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're gonna watch another clip. This is the scene uh, where he first gets into the car. That is a it nice is, car. It is a badass car. What's funny is that my dad drove a Monte Carlo, and he did not. It was not badass when he drove it. It was like it was so embarrassing. <laughs> When my dad drove the Monte Carlo in like fifth grade, like, ah, dad, this car's bullshit. And then I like training day came out and it's the, it's the exact same car, same yeah. car and everything. I'm like, oh no, now it's cool. Yeah. Now I, now I can like it. That's how I feel about Mustangs. Yeah. If your dad drives it. Mustangs are so cool. And then my brother drove it and I was like, this is Blech. dumb. Yeah. This is bullshit. <laughs> it's no longer cool. You're about to cool. do a drive-by? <laughs> 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 All right, here is the Monte Carlo lowrider scene from Training Day coming up. Hey, grab that menu off that window for me, huh? Get in, it's unlocked. <laughs> Just throw that in the glove box. This car is not from the motor pool. No, it's not. Sexy, though, isn't it? So where's the office back at Division? You're in the office, baby. 
going up. you around, give you a taste of the business, you know. I got 38 cases pending trial, 63 in active investigation, another 250 on the log I can't clear. I supervise five offices, that's five different personalities, five sets of problems. You could be number six if you act right. But I ain't holding no hands, you understand? I ain't babysitting. You got today and today only to show me who and what you're made of. You don't like narcotics? Get the fuck out of my car, go back to the office, get a nice pussy desk job, you know? Chasing bad checks or something, you hear me? I hear you. Okay. Why do you want to be a narc? I want to um, serve my community by ridding it of, of dangerous drugs. Right, right. Well, why do you want to be a narc? <laughs> uh, I want to make detective. There you go. You can do it. Stick with me. You can do it. Unlearn that bullshit they teach you at the academy. No, don't bring none of that shit in here. Should it get you killed out here? I will do anything you want me to do. My nigga. <laughs> Roll your window down. Start there. <laughs> so you gotta hear the street, you gotta smell it, you know? You gotta taste that shit, feel it. Right. How's your Espanol? Uh, Learn that shit, brother. Learn that shit, that shit'll get you killed. These motherfuckers out here plotting all kinds of shit behind your back. Shit, man, you gonna teach me that old school? Alright, that was the Monte Carlo scene, the office scene from Training Day. He is so fucking good in that scene, Denzel. Yeah. He's... he's he is magnetic in that scene. Like, that got him the Oscar. The whole movie got him the Oscar, but that was, like, the first scene where you really see him just spill a chunk of dialogue and exposition, but he does it so well. Um, the thing I wanted to talk about uh, in this scene, and he does this a lot throughout the film in, as a way to, like, I think as a way to, to seduce Ethan Hawke's character, referring to him as my N-word throughout the entire film. Um it feels like a, it to me. It feels like a strategy to sort of like get Ethan on his good side, like make him feel like part of the, like he's on the inside. Like you know, he oh okay, I'm I'm this cool. Like this is this is how this is how he sees me. Um, that's me as an outsider. You guys might feel different, so so feel free to chime in on that if you think there's anything to that particular pet theory of mine. You know, like I played basketball or something like that back in the day. And if you wanted the white boy on your team to act right, you told him he was, you know, I see that you can actually, you know, you, you got him, you got him feeling good about himself. You know, like, yeah. you know, like yeah, when he hit that shot, like you didn't want him to, you wanted him to be confident. So, in a way, it kind of instilled, uh, and white boys res responded well to that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Oh, like, yeah, they like me. Yeah, like, the cool guys like me. Because in every scenario, we are the cool guys, no matter what. So, you know, it's... Yeah, I think, I think you know, I don't, I don't know if I thought of it so deeply within the movie, but in general life, you know, yeah, I, I, I've seen that done. You know, want to calm some white boy down, you make him feel comfortable, make him feel cool. You know, it's like, hey, you, you're freaking out, my nigga. It's like, really? All right. I'll, I'll uh, you care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was part of the, the genius of Denzel's character is just having, instilling that confidence, but also just being firm, but just, just doing everything you can to slowly lower Ethan's guard down. Yeah. yeah. And, in, and it was a strategy that was employed throughout the movie too. So I thought it was brilliant. All right, so uh, we're getting close to the end of the hour. Um, I normally ask if there's anything that this movie has taught you ab about dudes, Dua, but uh, given the the particular events of the past, you know, few months, few weeks, how does this movie play now to you? Uh, you know, after everything that's happened, especially you know since the quarantine, but even before that, even just in the past few years since Black Lives Matter became mm -hmm. a, such a, a big part of the culture, like, how would, how would you make I, a training day now? Oof. Um, there would definitely have to be, 
I feel like a third character that would that was just good. That was like a whistleblower almost, you know? Right. Like that's how I feel like that's what this movie. And I don't necessarily think that it would make the movie better because I do think the movie's great. It's a masterpiece. But just to apply it to today's time and to make it so that it's not copaganda. Yeah. I think, because it's, it's very concerning. I, I'm watching the movie and the whole time I'm thinking, this is scary that cops can just go and do whatever the fuck they want and nobody's watching them. And they can literally just like kill drug dealers. They can steal money, you know, civil forfeiture. And, 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 and it's, it's scary. And so I think there needs to be some kind of, maybe the, the justice system is involved in some way. If I rewrote this movie, <laughs> I don't know, and it just becomes like a huge scandal. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how you would, because it's, it's, it's kind of, it's cop porn, but it's also, oh look, there's corruption, but it's like, it's corruption it that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have you ever seen uh, this documentary on Netflix called The Seventy Fifth? Oh it's yeah, about, yeah, uh, I, I saw that. Yeah, that's, that's actually that was seven, the Seventy Fifth thing. Yes. Yeah, but the 75th precincts back in like the 80s or the 70s or whatever time it was set in, and they were like the most corrupt precinct in New York City to where yeah. like they were running in people's houses, shaking them down for drugs, taking their money and saying like, hey, it's ours now type shit. So I don't know. I feel like Training Day was that, but like you said, there was no full accountability for anything that happened. You know right. what I mean? It's like, they they kind of got away with the bad apple theory, so yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. With I think what you said would have been brilliant to have say Lorenz Tate is the is this is this um uh aspiring DA right, and he's like, yo, I found out this is happening, and Ethan and he thinks it's Ethan and him, and they're all in, in cahoots, and he has to go through all this shit to find out. What's actually happened? So, like, you do find out that hey, he was gonna get his comeuppance. Regard, actually, that might have been the that might have been the alternate ending that he got his comeuppance anyway. Like, he got arrested or some shit like that. But yeah, something like that would have been, been better. Would have been good. Yeah, I, I I agree. It it does feel like they give they give Ethan Hawke's character a pass for being a less shitty cop. And like having some form of moral compass only because he's less advanced in his decay. Uh, it would be weird to make this movie now. Uh, but, you know, I, I, but also on the other hand, I also don't think that, you know, necessarily people in Ohio feel that way. I, I think, I know my dad watched this movie. My dad was a Florida redneck. And he loved this movie. And he had a very uncomplicated view of this movie. It was, he didn't. Yeah. It was, it was a cop thriller. There was a good cop and a bad cop, and and I'm sure he, I'm sure there was some racist shit going on in his head because he was redneck from Florida. So obviously the, <laughs> there was a lot of that going on in his head. But like, but he had, he had a very simplistic view of the film. He didn't he didn't seem to take on much of his political nuances. So in that sense, it probably wouldn't be that much different. But I think I think that to get a big star like Denzel Washington or whoever the equivalent i guess like his son maybe involved in something like this you would you would have to have some sort of more realistic addressing of the consequences of this type of of behavior from police uh mm -hmm. i think maybe a, a deeper involvement with the com effect on the community because we do kind of yeah. see the people that they get annoyed with denzel at the end the people in his neighborhood yeah. but like that's basically because because he's he has an abrasive personality but right. like they don't seem to have much of an I mean, exploration of, of like what 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 is actually going on in this community other than the fact that Denzel is just a, an asshole to them I, could, I mean he's, he's definitely just extorting them and yes. you know yeah. for, for what is worth fear. yeah for so what is worth I mean it probably it, for it they were it was insinuated that they were doing illegal things anyway yeah so you know, like I said, that's the cop I would be, but I would not be an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, I'd come around and be like, "Hey, y'all got my tax? All right, y'all want burgers? I'm bringing. I'm going to McDonald's. Like, I'd be that cop." Oh, that the, the Robin Hood bad cop. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nice corruption. 
Right. More yeah. like more like Denzel in like American Gangster where he Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was... That's, a, that's another movie that I watched that I was like, Oh, Denzel's a bad guy. But also I was like laughing because it was like Russell Crowe's character is supposed to be there were no such thing as good cops in the seven New York seventies. Let's be honest here. So it's like, oh Russell Crowe's a good guy, sure. Yeah. No, sure. That's a different movie. <laughs> All right, that is, that's that is all the time we have. I feel like we could just discuss this movie for like hours and hours. It crosses so many uh, relevant things right now, but uh, unfortunately, we do have to wrap it up. Uh, Dua, please let everyone listening know where they can find you online. Ooh, um, yes. So you can't find me on Twitter because I've been banned forever, but uh, I still what? got Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. How, how, right? How? <laughs> Why? <laughs> also dope. Um, <laughs> also dope. Yes. Thank agreed. you. Um, I think it was because I called Ivanka Trump a cunt because that's when it immediately happened. Oh. Oh, so you're, you're you're not allowed to curse at people who are verified on Twitter. Like that's a that's a rule. Wow. Really? Yep. Can't call. Them. They're like a they're a vulnerable class. You know, they're public figures. So whatever. Oh. I don't care. I don't care. Bam. Man, I'm it hurt, but it's fine. <laughs> but you I only have like at, 400 followers. <laughs> you, you can find me at Dua Diddy um, on Instagram and also uh, Magnet Twitch. Uh, I, I'm on a sketch team at Magnet Theater called Newport. So we have a show every month. So just follow me on Instagram and you'll find <laughs> Love it. Love it. And I'm great at promoting myself. I don't yeah, know. And you, you, you had better follow, follow Dua on Instagram because she has been Ooh. martyred on Twitter. So if that, if that doesn't, if that doesn't merit an Insta following, I, I don't know what does. All right, Courtney Reynolds, tell everyone where they, where they can find you online. Uh, real simple: Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, TikTok. Uh, all is full court comedy, uh, full court comedy like basketball and comedy. Love it. And uh, you can find me, Gina Bloom, on all social media, probably including TikTok in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. At, at Gina Bloom. Yeah. J, J, I, I, have, I have conflicted feelings about this. J-E-E. I already do. I have not. I just the fact that I'm entertaining it is already makes me feel weird. Gina Bloom. J-E-E-N-A-B-L-O-O-M. Uh, you can find me uh, right here on the Morbidana Network for Sweet Lady's Guide to Bro Culture. Next week is our Season 2 finale. We will be talking about Rick and Morty. That should be a good one. And, um, yeah, that is it. Uh, Dua, Courtney, thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me about Training Day. It, it actually, I was really worried because I only took Dua's word from, oh, my God, Denzel's a bad guy. <laughs> I thought... I, I thought like, cancel it. Cancel I thought it we were gonna. Now. I thought we yeah. I thought we were gonna get killed. But this is gonna be very pleasant, very illuminating. Uh, thank you, you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Can I say one thing? Thanks for yes. having us. Yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. It was also, I believe, Eva Mendez's first movie. And let me be telling you, she didn't say shit. All right. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, yes. It was a great role. Yes, Eva yeah. Mendez. Uh, very little lines of dialogue, even less shit, shit, shit. articles of clothing. And yeah. I was trying to make it as grow as possible. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, she, she, she is, she is an objectively amazing-looking human being. Uh, I have no problem, you know, ogling Eva Mendez. It's she's she she's earned it. But like, also, she yep. could have got some dialogue. That would have been nice too. Yeah, yeah, she did need it. I was 13. You know I love this movie for one reason. Anyway, guys. It's been fun. I've revealed too much. Thank you guys so much. Everybody have a good day. And we'll see you next week for the season finale. Bye. Bye. See ya.
Talmor, Sheshin Mugachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.